if that happens with a high enough interest rate hike, it will create event horizon, which is interest rates that have climbed and the equity that was created during inflation to be eroded away very close to what's owed on the actual asset. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Big Fat Real Estate Checks. My name is Marco Kozlowski. I'm here with Frank and Gabe, and uh, last name is Galuccio and Adaish. Trying to do things differently every single time, as we are going to be doing this podcast differently every single time. If you have not listened to the first 10 episodes of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, 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 please do. That was a terrible impression of a uh, now we of know a sound thing, but yes. maybe we should pay for an editor to put that <laughs> yes. sound effect in there. Maybe we should do something with that. But uh, yes, uh, we're uh, three goofy people that have been blessed with uh, making great decisions, making a tremendous amount of money and passive income. And we are uh, pretty passionate about showing you uh, the ropes, telling you what to do, how to do it, and what order to do things in within reason. Uh, the only way to really inflict significant change upon your life is to um, actually get a mentor, uh, take a class under close supervision. Very difficult to really understand all the details through podcasts, books, tapes, videos. I don't think you'd want to have your pilot's license through YouTube. I think that would be a very dangerous thing to do. So the more hands-on experience you have, obviously, the better. And this will be the first of, I believe, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, maybe 10 of a series going over the State of the Union, uh, what's going on right now in this economic time. If you're listening to this in 2074, we're all dead. Might not be relevant, and it might be actually very relevant because cycles come back, and there are very specific things that you can do during cycles. The interest rates have gone up twice, 0.75%, which hasn't happened since the 80s. The last 0.75 hike was uh, in the early 90s, and uh, we are in September of 2022 right now, beginning of September. There's going to be most likely another 0.5 hike, making the intro, the uh, prime rate, uh, I think, four or five times more than what it was back in 2019, which is very exciting. And most people think that's devastating, but for this business, it's actually a huge opportunity. And we're going to be discussing first the overview of a why exciting time as a investor as a as a buyer of real estate, uh, specifically passive income, and where the opportunities are and how you should be taking advantage of them now and not when it's too late. When most people are buying, that's when everyone starts hopping on the bandwagon. And when most people are selling is when you should be buying. So it's really counter. You want to be a contrarian investor. And that's kind of how you make a tremendous amount of money. When everyone sells, that's when you start buying. So listening to the media, uh, you're just going to do what you're supposed to do. And um, if you do what everyone does, you're going to get the results that everyone has, which is pretty miserable. So we don't want that for you. We want fantastic results that eclipse everyone else's results. And uh, yeah, so all joking aside, uh, I'm here with Frank Aluccio and uh, Gabriel Adaish uh, for in case this is your very first podcast. Of course, like us, love us, share us, subscribe, uh, leave us some comments. We are always striving towards over 2,000 five-star reviews, which I'm hoping this will get us there. And uh, yeah, so let's first start with a little bit of a, I guess, a history lesson. Let's talk about what's happening now and how it's relevant to, I started uh, taking over debt, which most people don't think you can do. I'll explain that in a second. I'll just drop that for a minute and leave that alone for now. Let's talk about interest rates, the slowing down of the market, 
And as people panic, we're wringing our hands going. So let's explain that. Do you actually want to get into why this is happening? Let's get into the root. Why, you know, why the feds decided to start increasing uh, interest rates exponentially. Like you said, I think you mentioned during uh, just before uh, we went on air on the, on the podcast that they never increased more than once or twice in one year or one quarter. That, which, that much that like 0.75 increase twice in a row. Well, first it hasn't happened since the eighties. And back in the eighties, that's when it was double digits, high double digits uh, yeah. interest rates, but they didn't do it in this fashion. I, I think this is more expedited uh, what they did in, the, in these last, what, six to eight months. Uh, I think they started increasing Again, everyone has their theories why it's going up. You know, people are pointing, you know, geopolitical news with the war going on, you know, with all the money they spent during, you know, the pandemic years to, you know, shave down the debt. And maybe it's a combination of both in terms of, you know, scarcity on on supplies and things like that. And also that the government, you know, foolishly spent a lot of money during the pandemic. Uh, you know, the, up here in Canada, you know, our prime minister was handing out money like chiclets. Even to people that weren't even entitled to it, which is crazy. Or even people that didn't even have a job. Like, God bless my niece and everyone like that, but they never had a job. But because they were in college and they didn't have that opportunity to get a job during the pandemic, the government says, shit, we'll pay you. So I think it's a combination of both the geopolitical news, also that they spent a lot of money and they have a huge deficit, you know, a perfect storm so they can increase the interest rates, not to slow the economy down, uh, but to shave or even reduce some of that deficit that they do have. Well, they do. They want to slow down inflation too. At least that's the theory of increasing interest rates. But uh, it so far hasn't been, I mean, it has slowed it down, but considering how much they've gone up and looking at how much it's slowed down, there's in theory still a lot of room to grow. If the tool they're going to continue using, now obviously to reduce inflation, they can probably use other systems than just increasing interest rates. But if they are adamant about continuing to use interest rates to slow down the rapid rise valuations, then they're going to have to do that a couple more times before they start slowing down. And and yet people feel that they should be bringing down those interest rates in the next year or two. I guess uh, time will tell. But I think it's what's the impact of the interest rate, right? So for, for those who maybe are, are new to the game. Yeah, I was just going to say, first, what are chiclets? Because I stopped listening at that because... <laughs> yeah. Chicklets, chicklets. Most, most of our I listeners have no chicklets. idea what delicious. So chicklets are. Chicklets are, are delicious. They, uh, gum, gum. can <laughs> Delicious gum. Can did did right. chicklets right. ever make it to the U.S. Or no, no, no. Oh okay, my goodness! So they, okay, okay, they didn't. So that's where the okay, yeah. That's, so that's so I'm like, I know nobody knows what that is. Okay, so Kit Kats, I, little Kit Kats. I mean, not uh, Kit Kats. Little uh, oh, what the hell? The other ones, uh, those mint things. Yeah, the gum, the little piece of gum. Like double mint, Trident or whatever. I don't know. Trident. That's right. You guys have Trident down in the U.S. I don't chew gum no more, so I wouldn't know. Either way, it was delicious gum back then. This is the much. It's all we had. Hubba bubba. Canada. So the what's interest rates, right? That's what we what's the impact of of higher interest rates? And yes, hubba bubba, beautiful balloons. Frank's uh, not looking. Oh, you got hubba, oh my goodness. Yeah. You have hubba bubba. Yeah. I didn't know you were a gum chewer. I'm not. I got this in Canada last time I was there. We're super on a tangent right now, but you said Hubba Bubba. It's right on my desk. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm like, you have the grape flavor. Guess what I got. Hubba Bubba. Guess oh, what I got, buddy. Right, save a pack, buddy. I'll bring you some more if you like Hubba Bubba. So, so, sorry for that little uh, pattern good. interrupt. Okay, so we started going into a very, uh, what I felt was very technical. I don't want to insult the listener by thinking you get stuff at all. I look at things as a village idiot. What does hiking interest rates do for a buyer 
in the real estate business uh yes so let's talk about that first so they've raised the interest rates for whatever reason whatever the mystery is now how does that affect what's going on so when interest rates rise basically what that means is the cost of borrowing money increases so all that means is that if you're going to buy a property if you're a buyer and you want to borrow money from the bank your payments are going to be a lot higher on the same amount that you borrowed. So say you wanted to borrow $100,000 to buy a property and you're paying 2% interest, then that's about $2,000 a year in interest. And then if interest rates are now 5%, then all of a sudden that same $100,000 costs you $5,000 a year in interest. That's kind of the theory of it. Obviously it's in a mortgage, it's the mortgage amount, the interest and the principles are blended, but just that's the impact on the amount of money you borrow. So if you were to look at a, at a payment, if you're borrowing $200,000 at you know, 3%, your payment, and, and now it's at 6%, your payment for the same amount has you know, doubled essentially. So you can basically buy less real estate with the same amount of payments, uh, the cash flow wise, uh, than you would have, let's say, a year and a half ago. As the interest rates keep going up, you're going to be able to borrow less for the same amount of money that you want to invest. So the bottom line is, is that because people can borrow less because they can't afford to borrow more based on the payment, what that's going to result in is twofold. One is you can't buy as much house as you wanted to in the first place. And then the sellers are not going to be able to get as much money as they thought they would get for selling their property. So a lot of sellers in the last two years basically hit the jackpot. They bought something uh, you know, for... 500,000 and we're able to sell it for 800,000 within 6 months just because of the insane inflation with the coupled with the low interest rates. Now, that same seller who would have sold their house at $800,000 may have to settle for 7 or 650, uh, you know, maybe a more or less depending on the area that that house is located in, but that's essentially the the effect of a hike in interest rates. So when interest rates go up, your payments go up for the same amount of money. And because your payments go up, you can afford less property. Which means fewer buyers in the marketplace for more expensive property generally. Correct. But in turn, that same buyer that's borrowing the money, in essence, what's happening also with the sellers, because they can't sell because interest rates are going higher. So they're eliminating a lot of buyers that were potentially in the market. So they're going back into a Back into the corner. So they're going to get lower values. So yes, they're paying higher interest, but at the same time, they could probably get a better deal probably now or, or even in the next six months than they were, you know, even uh, four months ago or five months ago, because those sellers are in that fear of missing out now. So what happens if Gabe, if you want to sell your house, Marco wants to sell his house and I want to sell my house, we both have it at a million and like, shit, you know what? There's not enough buyers now because all the buyers got scared because of the interest rates, you know, they're hiding. So I'm going to come and say, you know what? I'm going to undercut Gabe and, and Marco at you know, 900,000 or 950. And then Marco sees it and says, fuck that. 850, 850, 850. 850. You're basically negotiating in the wrong way. Right. But even if you think you have a deal, you don't necessarily have a deal because your payments are so high on, on a lower amount that it was probably a better deal on your cash flow on a higher purchase price because you can afford the payment. And that's kind of where I feel people. And I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the market to buy a house right now and I can see this. It's very clear to me that, you know, when houses are going for whatever, $1.52 million in my neighborhood and, you know, say you put your 20% down, uh, that's whatever, $400,000. Let's call it 500 and you're borrowing 
and your payment is now like $12,000 a month. Now, when it used to be about eight, that's $4,000 a month of additional payments that you make. Even if you're buying the house at, let's say, 1.5 instead of 2 million and putting your 20% down, your payment is still going to be higher than the payment I would have made on a $1.5 million loan at a lower percentage. And that's where I guess our topic here of potentially taking over debt gets really interesting. So before we go too far here, I just want to make sure that everyone's clear. So from a buyer's perspective, let's say sellers first. So if I'm selling my property, I want to now sell it. The cycle of uh, most people sell within five to seven years. So in the last five to seven years, there's been a tremendous amount of appreciation or inflation that's happened to impact the value of my property. So I've had great inflation creating equity in my property. If I bought this back in, let's say, 2019, 2018, where interest rates were 1.2, like you can get a, I've seen 1.2% loans for 30 years, right? Amortized over 30 years, no prepayment penalty. This is not a, not an arm, adjustable rate mortgage, but really cheap mortgage. And the cheaper the money is, the higher the things, because you can afford to pay more. So things are worth more, if that makes sense, right? At the risk of repeating what you just said, Gabe. All right. And now that I want to sell it and I want to go back to this, the sales price that, that Frank was saying, now that I have this, all this equity, now I want to sell it, but suddenly money's more expensive, which means fewer buyers, which means those that are buying have to have more money on a monthly basis, on a cash flow basis. And a smaller pool of buyers means a slide in value. And what's interesting is when the value slides down close to what they actually owe, which is what we're going to be coming towards. I don't know if I've explained this right step by yep, step. Yeah. Right. It's, it's all economics, right? Supply of homes is going to outweigh the demand for homes. So when supply exceeds exceeds demand, then prices come down. That's the right. natural course progression of, of things. And I've seen now even, I think I told the story of my house across the street, got flipped three or four times um, within a 60-day period. It basically doubled over a 60-day period of time. It was a little shack across the house, across the uh, across street. But now, whoever bought that property for you know double what I think it's even worth, close to it, they're going to have a mortgage that's very cheap. And as their equity is chewed away with that slide, now you get to a really interesting uh, crossover of the value of assets being very close to what the debt is on it or even below, but at a very low interest rate. Correct. I'm going to say this again, at a very low interest rate. So I want to now go back to the 80s for a second because I want to do the opposite of what's happening now. Actually, it's not the opposite. It's similar. It's very similar. Yep. And in the 80s, for those that were doing the business then, I was not. I, I was... Eight in 1980. I had not started my real estate career yet. And when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, the prime rate was 18% in the 80s. 18%. Now we're bitching, moaning, and complaining at six, seven, eight percent. Five, six, seven, eight. Five, six, seven, eight. Ooh, ooh, sorry. That was a little ADD there. So when you have an 18% prime rate and 
your mortgage, I haven't done the calculation. Perhaps I should have, but that's an outrageous payment for at 18%. And that's prime. That's what the Fed is lending out the money at, which means your bank is going to give you maybe 19% on a mortgage, right? Or 20. Do you imagine paying 20%? That's like buying a house on a credit card, right? It's insane. But they were doing it. Now, the value of the houses weren't what they are now. Nowhere near it. However, your dollar was actually stretched out further than it does now. A dollar was worth a lot more back then than it is now. So there's all these crazy factors. And I'm a musician, so this is boggling my mind. Or in the immortal words of Farrell, it's bottling my mind. It's interesting that now you've got these buyers that are qualified to buy a property at 18%. And someone that had a mortgage three or four years later, uh, sorry, three or four years earlier, uh, had it at maybe 8%. Now, what's better, an 18% mortgage or an 8% mortgage? I know it's a stupid question, but obviously 8%. So there was... There was a, a practice which has died back then, which is doing a, basically a mortgage swap yeah. where you would just step into someone's mortgage or do an assumption of mortgage, take over the mortgage of some kind, and then just give the person equity. So in, instead of giving 20% to the bank, now people were just swapping equity. Here's cash. I'll take over the debt. I'll just step into your debt. And that was common practice back in the 80s. So let's give an example just to clarify that because that's an interesting point here. So say the house was selling for $500,000. That's what the seller wanted. And the debt on the house was $450,000 at 8% already. Then rather than get a new mortgage on the $500,000 amount, what they would do is they would just leave the mortgage in place, continue to service the $450,000 and give the seller $50,000 in cash to walk away from the property. And that's how they kept the 8% in place. And the 8%, again, if we have listeners that are outside of the U.S., in the U.S., what's specific about mortgages is for the most part, they are a 30-year mortgage. So your interest rate stays fixed for the entire time of your loan. So that 8% that you're getting is going to be good uh, for the remainder of your mortgage days. And so if and, interest and rates goes and up, it doesn't sorry, impact it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but you don't have to go back and every three or five years renew your mortgage at all. It's it just stays. That's there. a money grab as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. It yeah. Is. Which I'll do that up here. I know that what happens when you can't get another mortgage, like they can do that, right? They can just say, nope, sorry, you don't qualify anymore. You don't have a job now. So you can't get a mortgage. Like what the well, fuck? Especially like in the eighties, if it went from eight to 18, you know, was time for you to renew your mortgage. If that were the case, then yeah, that would be potentially disastrous to a lot of humans. And not only that is in an environment where there is usually extremely high inflation, there might also be some high unemployment for one reason. Because if things cost more too, uh, a lot of companies have to make sure that the bottom line is still, you know, they're still alive. They need to profit. And usually, you know, the best way to make sure that there's still meat on the bone is by cutting the fat. And unfortunately, employees are considered the fat in most of the businesses. So that's going to be, again, a recipe for disaster once renewals come. So, but in the US, this doesn't happen because your mortgage is good for the full term. So if it's a 25 year mortgage, when you sign on to it, that's how long your 8% will still be good. Same thing with 18%. So if you're keeping that 8% in place, would it be even worth paying a little bit more for the house to keep that 8% in place rather than getting a mortgage at 18? The answer is 100% yes, because your payment, your monthly payment will be lower on the 8% than it will be on the 18% at a lower price. So those are the nuances that you need to kind of grasp around. And I know this is 
probably hitting you like a Mack truck yeah. here, but it's important to understand this because the cycle is on its way back. It's starting to creep its way into our markets. I know in my market, I don't see supply increasing. So there's not that many more houses that are available for sale, but the houses that are available for sale have been there for a fairly long time, considering that just about you know a year ago, by the time it was listed, there was like six offers over asking. There, I couldn't even go visit a house and it was sold already with like five backup offers and all over asking. Now the houses are uh, you know, going into the 70 day, 80 day, 90 days on the market. And you see that there's always a refreshing with, you know, s small cuts to the purchase price or the asking price. So we're starting to see, and I'm sure that, you know, I live in an area that's, I guess, unfortunately for me is a high wealth area. So this is not going to be impacted as much as maybe a location where the demographics are not as wealthy, where they, the people pay their houses cash. So there's other markets where maybe that, uh, decrease or that supply has increased already uh, twofold or threefold maybe. So just to recap, if you're still awake, I'm pleased. I'm glad. For me, these conversations are difficult because it's not my background and I, I, I never feel like I'm smart enough, honestly, that I can listen to this and actually contribute uh, anything intelligent to say. But if we were to take this just in caveman ooga booga terms, interest rates were low, houses were purchased or property was purchased interest time went past interests grew much higher and because interest rates are now higher it takes longer to sell which means if someone needs to sell they're going to lower their price and if they lower the price now there's a new comparable sale that affects the whole group of properties that are selling so now there's a slide downward in the values of the assets for that area and that zip code if that happens enough with a high enough interest rate hike, it will create a uh, event horizon, which is interest rates that are have climbed and the equity that was created during inflation to be eroded away very close to what's owed on the actual asset, if that makes any sense. So basically in Gabe's example, that home that was 500,000, and the mortgage was 450 that equity portion is getting eaten up by falling prices because people there's less buyers out there correct so yeah. if the house let's say that had a million dollars in equity because of the of the increase in value interestingly enough the higher the value of the assets the faster they fall so it's done on a percentage basis remember that so if you're dealing with a 2 or 3 million dollar property or even a 5 million dollar property and then you sell it for 4 that's a million dollar of equity loss right but you also got a million dollars of equity gain during a very fast market. So, you know, easy come, easy go. So it's really, that money is phantom. It's not real money. It's just created illusionary money based on supply and demand. It's not actual hardworking dollar money. It's different. Well, until it's crystallized. If they sold it, then yeah. it would have been. Well, that's why when your stock goes down, you don't sell it. And that's what most people yeah. do because you still own the stock. You just, mm -hmm. it's. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but, because the difference but, is in a house, you may have to because you know exactly. maybe you're moving for work, maybe you're moving for other reasons, divorce, so, whatever it is, yeah, right? Um, exactly. the five Ds, right? So th those will always be there, no matter what the economic cycle is. Correct. But, so just this episode, uh, perhaps a little bit longer than it needs to be. Understand that as interest rates go up, market slows down, and there's an opportunity that uh, most are not aware of 
to do something magical and acquire some incredible assets at very cheap interest rates by taking over debt. I'm not going to go into the how. I'm just going to let you know that. And as you said, Gabe, I know your hand was up. Everyone, we, we say that you can do that. Yeah, exactly. you can fucking, you can fucking do that. That's I'm asked that's, every every day, you know, what are you looking for a house? You know, prices are starting to stabilize. I'm like, no, I'm waiting because my objective is to just step into someone's old debt. And that's exactly the reaction again. You can do that. How do you do that? I said, yes, you can. And that's where the conversation ends usually. Yeah. Well, you it's can't a lost art. It's like uh, calligraphy. You know, yeah. people don't use it as often. And so. even if you told them, they wouldn't believe you. And that's okay with us. But yeah. if, if, you know, we invite you to join us on this series where we're actually going to, you know, dig deep into this discussion and you'll, you'll learn though, you know, why we can do this and, and, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, you led this, uh, led us to the end Gabe. Thank you for uh, taking us there. Uh, yes. In the next episode, we'll deep dive a little bit more into uh, this, that we've set up the the scene, if you will. Uh, interest rates go up, market slows down, existing debt stays in place. And if someone really needs to sell, you're in a great spot to um, basically just solve someone's problem, take over the problem and build your own equity while you're paying off an existing mortgage that is going down in value um as time goes on we haven't even discussed mortgages and cycles of mortgages and stuff yet so i uh, join us on the very next episode where we're gonna but wait there's more <laughs> discuss those things and so hopefully you uh you did not fall asleep during this episode appreciate you with uh being open allows you to uh, really open up your uh, wallet as well for future opportunities and uh it's my delight to uh, be be joined today actually by uh, frank and gabe uh, brothers from another mother and you, the listener, I appreciate you listening in as well. Uh, or we just be rambling on and on and on, which I think we did today. Um, but I think we, we pretty much got to where we need to be. So of course, like us, love us, share us, uh, make sure that you, uh, you tell the world about how awesome big fat real estate checks is. And we appreciate that. And if there's any topics that you want us to discuss, go more into depth then, or just whatever, just send us a quick email, uh, my email, Marco at Marco I uh, get emails every day and I would love to get one from you and uh, give us your feedback. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Bye for now. If you like this episode of big fat real estate checks, let's show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.